my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. One of my favorite conversations I've ever had on There Are No Girls on the Internet is with a writer who was targeted and harassed online about how she continues to stay safe while doing visible work on the internet. Without missing a beat, she said, anybody worried about online harassment should sign up for Delete Me. I signed up for Delete Me right then and there, and I personally recommend it to anyone. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. Now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and use promo code nogirls at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and enter code nogirls at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash nogirls, code nogirls. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girlbomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. There Are No Girls on the Internet is a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is There Are No Girls on the Internet. I have some sad news to share. Shafika Hudson, whose work basically created the field of study on how to mobilize against bad actors on social media, when she created the hashtag, your slip is showing in 2014, tragically passed away last week. Now, we talk a lot about how the work of making internet spaces safer for everyone often falls on Black women like Shafika, and it's often tough, thankless, ignored, and sometimes even dangerous. Even though Shafika's work changed the way we think about the internet, she did it all unpaid. She died crowdfunding for healthcare costs. Shafika wanted people to know the realities of long COVID. Last year, she tweeted, When long COVID effects kill me, sooner than later... I need y'all to recognize and say loudly what it was, adding, this won't be considered a massive crime against humanity until we're all gone. Just tell them I fought and tried. This very podcast and this work would never exist if not for Shafika, a funny, fierce cat lady who made the internet just a better place to show up on, who built an entire school of thought out of necessity that made the internet safer and better for all of us. 
She was one of the very first interviews I ever did for There Are No Girls on the Internet back in 2020 when we first launched. And in honor of her brilliant, beautiful life cut short, let's hear from her again. Shafika, I am so sorry. Okay, so I could tell you this story a hundred times in a hundred different ways. People just don't listen to women, especially Black women. And it comes with big consequences. Six years ago, Black feminists were experiencing a coordinated pattern of disinformation on Twitter. They spoke up, but no one listened. That failure to listen to Black women had a big impact. It allowed for the weaponization of online harassment tactics against other marginalized people on social media and presents continued threats to our democracy and safety. Okay, so let's just get this out of the way right now. Twitter is a fucking cesspool. If you spend any time there, you probably already know this. Bad faith commentary, reply guys, trolls, harassment. It can really just be an unpleasant place. In May, Twitter announced they would start labeling tweets that spread misleading information. But this comes years after Black feminists raised the alarm about it and were ignored. These women weren't just being attacked. They were learning about the tactics that bad actors used to infiltrate online communities. They spoke up about what they were experiencing online. So why didn't anyone listen? And what might have happened if they had? Shafika Hudson, freelancer, cat lady, sometimes activist. Shafika had been using Twitter regularly since almost its very beginning, where she spent most of her time online connecting with other Black feminists. In 2014, while job searching, she noticed a hashtag that just did not make sense. End Father's Day. The people pushing the End Father's Day hashtag on Twitter appeared to be Black feminists. They talked about how we should abolish Father's Day because too many Black men date outside of their race or because Black men don't support their children. Stuff that just seemed really out there. I must have had like 10 different tabs open because I was also like doing a job search and just going about my life. And it, some one tweet caught my attention because it was so completely off the wall. And I don't know who retweeted it or like how it even arrived in my timeline, but it wasn't anything that any Black feminist anywhere would say. It was like, what was it? Oh, gosh. Yeah. And <sighs> Father's Day, uh, I wish these white women would stop stealing our men. Some, 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 something just completely off the wall that had nothing to do with anything. <laughs> and the, the avatar was someone who I didn't recognize. Now, the thing about the Black feminist community on Twitter, the thing about a lot of communities on Twitter, is that you might not necessarily get along with everybody, but you know who everyone is. Like, and if you haven't met them or seen them out or, you know, done a tweet up, hung out at a party, something, someone you know has. And in this particular instance, I clicked on the person, well, the account's profile. And I said, okay, who is this? <laughs> I've never seen this person. And it looks like they just joined like two days ago. And they're just tweeting about this with this hashtag and they have you know, the photo of a black woman, but it just, nothing adds up. So that drove me to click on the hashtag and Father's Day. And lo and behold, when I did a Twitter search, there's a bunch of accounts that are saying things that are completely left, <laughs> like not left, like, you know, politically, just kind of left, like left, you know, <laughs> le where are you coming from? Left. And I didn't recognize any of them. So I, at that point, I just kind of, 
asked a general question from my timeline to say, okay, you guys, what's going on? I, I keep seeing this hashtag and these accounts that I don't recognize with people who look like they just joined like five seconds ago. And someone said, yeah, it looks like this is like some kind of 4chan thing. <laughs> that, that's when I really started digging it. I said, okay, well, this is really awful because they're pretending to be Black women who are saying these awful things. And I'm smart enough to know that nothing here that they're saying is even remotely what a, a real Black feminist would say. I honestly think the people who they fooled immediately were already probably biased against feminist or Black women or some combination of the two. Uh, I, I, I didn't get the impression that they were fooling most of the people I followed is what I, is what I mean. But um, they were getting some reaction. That's when Shafika went from curious to pissed. I got so mad. Like, I remember just being so angry. I could feel my cheeks and my ears heat up. Like, you know, honestly, like, you, you know, in the in the cartoons where the the character, like, starts steaming from the... <laughs> Smoke coming out of your ears? Yes. <laughs> you hear the tea kettle whistle. <laughs> I was serious. I was like, you know, it's not like we don't get enough garbage online just being Black women. You know, but with people just randomly showing up in our, our mentions to argue with something that we said, not because they necessarily disagree, but because that's what people do when you're a Black woman online, apparently. <laughs> because we don't deal with enough. Out here in real life and online, we don't deal with enough. We've got this whole silly operation thing happening. So <laughs> I said, well, let me just go ahead and take a look and see what's really going on and see how bad this is. And as I began to dig, I saw just how bad it was. And I realized that I would not be able to point out all of these accounts alone. You know how in movies, when a character discovers this thing they've been investigating is much, much bigger than they realized, there is no Pepe Silvia, and this thing goes all the way to the top? Well, that's how Shafika felt. She knew the Twitter accounts pushing End Father's Day weren't actually Black women. They were just impersonating Black women, and pretty badly at that. But there were too many of them for this to be a one-off thing. It had to be coordinated. And there were also too many for her to tackle alone. She wanted to give other Black feminists a tool to sniff out these imposters. So she fought back with a hashtag of her own. Your slip is showing. I went ahead with your slip is showing. I might have run another line like, I don't know, your mascara is running, something like that. But your slip is showing just seemed to work. It really just seemed to work. Okay, so if you're not a lady from the South, the phrase your slip is showing might not mean anything to you. Literally, it means when your slip is peeking out from underneath your skirt or dress. A big fashion no-no. But where I come from, that one phrase really highlights a subversiveness of what I'll call auntie-speak. Think of it a bit like the phrase, bless your heart. A lady at church might tell you that your slip is peeking out from the bottom of your skirt because they care about you looking your best. Or they could tell you your slip is showing because they don't like you, and they're pointing out publicly that you aren't looking as good and put together as you think you are. You know, just the sort of thing that one of your aunties might say to you in church when it's, oh, honey, you need to, you need to fix your slip. <laughs> because it's showing. Except mean, because... <laughs> <laughs> right? There's a, there's a difference between a your slip is showing from one of your aunties and your slip is showing from somebody who doesn't like you. 
(laughs) (laughs) And that was what I was going with. Like, yeah, your slip is showing. I'm telling you because I was raised right. Not because I particularly care about you being embarrassed. (laughs) I love that so much. I love how you kind of use this Southern auntie expression that we all sort of know what it means. What's also funny is that I, I would imagine the people who are impersonating black women probably that probably that that nuance probably goes right over their head. Yes, yes. that was that also um, one of the things that I also delighted in because of course they wouldn't get it because you'd have to. I mean, you have to be somewhat embedded within certain communities to pick up on the nuance, <laughs> and they really weren't. It's fitting that we're talking about getting the nuance. That's certain something you can't really teach. This would ultimately be the undoing of people impersonating Black women online. Their inability to authentically sound like Black women. They'd try to use AAVE or African-American vernacular English, but get the expressions all wrong in ways that might as well be screaming, I am a white person pretending to be a Black woman. This is where I should probably say that around the same time in 2014, I noticed someone on Twitter using my photo and tweeting confusing things about Black people. I never knew who was behind it or why it was happening. But if I had to say, I would say it wasn't an actual Black woman because the things they were saying were just so out there. Things like, I'm going to be voting for Trump because Hillary Clinton is whack, y'all. Things that just didn't sound right. Because they're not speakers of AAVE. Um, they're approximating. The thing that like really, <laughs> really, really uh, seemed to like immediately point them out was this consistent inability to understand and properly use the habitual B. They didn't get it. They did not like they, they would use the habitual B just kind of like for the future tense. You know what I mean? Like it was terrible. And a lot of the time it was just like really obviously racist word salad. Obviously racist word salad. I love it. My new band name. Ultimately, it seemed like the point of End Father's Day was to see what kind of discord bad actors organizing on message boards like 4chan could sow within feminist online communities and to make actual feminists and art issues look like petty, stupid man-haters whose issues were so outlandish they could never be taken seriously. It turns out this is actually a pretty common disinformation tactic, hijacking public conversations about sensitive topics or wedge issues through media manipulation is a way of making people afraid of having an opinion in public and ultimately trying to silence them. I'm Joan Donovan, and I'm the research director at the Shorenstein Center on Media, Politics, and Public Policy. Dr. Donovan says the same way that brands and politicians realize the power of social media, the kind of people who want to harass others did too. It can have a big impact, especially as we're using social media to talk about thorny issues like race, gender, and sexuality, issues that require nuance to discuss thoughtfully. It makes it tough for anyone to have a good faith dialogue online. Over time, just like the politicians learned to use social media, we had white supremacists figure out that you don't actually need to show up in public to have an impact on people's lives. And so we saw networked and coordinated harassment campaigns uh, it, it just continue, uh, even to this day, continue to. Uh, be useful ways to shut down journalists, to impersonate different groups, and to really cause uh, 
a fracture in public conversation about really important issues that require some level of nuance, some level of understanding, and and a lot of compassion to talk about, you know, especially racism in this moment. And people are reticent to talk about it because they're afraid of saying something wrong, uh, especially in the environments online where if you do make a misstep, you could get dragged, you could get canceled. But also some of that might be artificial. It might be the case that people do sympathize with you. People do want to help you grow and learn. But certain media manipulators see that as an opportunity to swarm in and really uh, drive the wedge as deep as it can go. A few right-wing news outlets picked up the hashtag End Father's Day and amplified it as a legitimate feminist take. This is how Fox News covered it. Like some of these tweets here is from Tasha. She wrote in, everyone knows we only need mothers. Why do we even need Father's Day? Fathers are useless. Hashtag oh, come on. Oh, come on. Father's Day. Oh, come on. Just useless? more of this nasty feminist rhetoric that they're not just like interested in ending Father's Day. They're interested in ending men. That's really what they want. But Shafika says, only the kind of people who were already predisposed to be skeptical of women and feminists, and especially Black women, fell for it. Well, it was actually... At, at first, I, I remember I was incredulous. Like, honestly, I'm, I was looking at people like, oh, and Father's Day, feminists take a terrible turn and radical, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, you got to be kidding. But then I realized that, no, they were completely serious. <laughs> and then it dawned on me that these were people who could not possibly understand feminism, possibly women in general, Black people, <laughs> or too much of anything outside of, of their little Fox News bubble. Like, that, <laughs> that was the impression that I got. Like, basically, if you fell for this, it's because you already had a certain set of bigotries in place to fall for it. What was happening with Black women online is much less widely known than Gamergate, where angry men coordinated to harass progressive voices online, who were mostly women in the months following and Father's Day. Shafika thinks it was ignored because the women who were targeted were Black. Not only was she helping to create a tool to stamp out this kind of disinformation online, she also wanted to document that it was happening so it wouldn't go forgotten or erased just because it was happening to Black women. As um, you're probably aware, uh, a lot of us are big on what we call receipts. <laughs> so there are plenty of receipts. We've got the screen caps. You can't even, you know, delete the tweets. We got it. <laughs> we got the information. But yeah, I mean, that's that's been a big part of it for me. And it's frustrating for a lot of us to see essentially a history erased. It's particularly distressing for me because, you know, I'm not, I'm not I wouldn't consider myself a scholar at this particular point. And my friend, uh, So True, who also was absolutely integral with formulating your slip is showing and how it kind of played out and became a, a useful tool. <laughs> but back when I was a scholar, I understood that one of the things that people do when they're trying to erase the impact of a movement is they kind of del start deleting history. It's a huge feature <laughs> of erasure. When people talk about your slip is showing, if they talk about it <laughs> or if they mention it at all, it's, it, it's 
weird. It kind of gets vaguely mentioned in relation to Gamergate as this weird thing that sort of happened before Gamergate that wasn't really relevant and didn't provide anybody any tools or, you know, it was, you know, just kind of a blip (laughs) as opposed to uh, what it was, which was a scary peek into the future. (laughs) And again, like I said, hindsight being 2020, once when you start to look back on all of these 4chan, I'm sorry, I can't say 4chan without making that noise. (laughs) (laughs) You have a special 4chan noise. I do, I do. Oh my gosh, someone else pointed it out to me. It's like, do you realize that you just kind of make this disgusted noise whenever you say 4chan? I'm like, ugh, I just, sorry, it's automatic. (laughs) I'm working on it. (laughs) When you try to kind of understand how everything happened, you have to take all of it into account. And I really think that in, in Father's Day and, um, you know, consequently, your, your slip is showing were a huge part of it. And it's, it can be frustrating to see it left out of the history because it's like, okay, you're missing a really relevant chunk of uh, understanding how all of this mess happened. Even at a time where we're having conversations around women's experiences online, why do you think your slip is showing and end Father's Day and the way that women and folks of color have been harassed online pretty much goes overlooked? Why do you think that is? Not necessarily. Yeah. That, and again, it's frustrating. And my theory remains it's because uh, the targeted group at the time for the end Father's Day of 4chan operation were Black women. <laughs> <laughs> It's honestly, that's, that's my, that's, I have no other answer at this point. It's been six years. I've watched this just kind of repeatedly happen. And the only answer, unfortunately, that I have is that, okay, well, this is being largely ignored and raped because of who the targets were. And the targets were of Black women, particularly Black feminists. We'll be right back after this quick break. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me you'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. Y'all know I love the internet, but a sad truth about it is that it can be a scary place, especially for women, people of color, and trans folks. We've talked to people on this podcast, whistleblowers, activists, and advocates who are making technology safer, who then become targets for doing that work. But the truth is, it can happen to any of us online. That's why I personally use and recommend Delete Me. Delete Me finds and removes any personal information you don't want online and makes sure it stays off. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and use promo code nogirls at checkout. 
The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash no girls and enter code no girls at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash no girls code no girls. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. Fearless Finance provides on-demand comprehensive financial planning by the hour. It's a new way to get financial advice without all the headaches, high fees, and commitments that come with traditional financial advisors. Fearless Finance planners don't sell anything. No used car salesman vibe here. And that means no concerns about being sold something just for the commission that it earns a rep. Their planners meet you where you are on your financial journey. No judgment, whether you're looking to buy a house, optimize your savings, or just want to make sure your finances are okay. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. People who are traditionally marginalized online, like Black women, are specifically impacted by things like disinformation and harassment on social media. The ultimate goal is to freak them out so much that they'll shut down their social media and just stop talking. Here's Dr. Donovan again. Yeah, so we have to remember that uh, a lot of the ways in which disinformation is carried through networks are also related to the ways in which people are harassed online. You know, so if you're, uh, there's a concept called gender trolling. It's evolved into trans trolling, race trolling, um, queer trolling, where the characteristics of your identity become the thing that they focus on. And they'll, you know, there'll be a swarm of folks uh, that have coordinated in some other place, usually on a message board, uh, and they will target specific public figures or women or trans folks uh, or prominent uh, uh, Black activists in order to get them to shut off their social media. And they will use all kinds of horrendous images and threats to try to get you to feel fear and to shut it down. And we don't see that same kind of level of threat making uh, when it comes to trolling male candidates. And that has to do with the characteristics of the harassers themselves, which often see the harassment as a form of activism and as a form of defending themselves or defending their piece of the culture. And so a lot of these people tend to be misogynist as well as uh, racist. And in their smaller online communities where they don't think they're watched, they'll talk openly about that. And they'll talk openly about who they should target and why and what the problem is. And, and I think at this stage, we've been through this enough to know it's a serious problem. But it still happens every day. And especially in this moment, we're seeing an incredible amount of uh, trolling around, you know, anti-Black racism. And the responsibility, though, for dealing with this lies with the platform companies, first and foremost, 
Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey hasn't always been the most responsive to the misuse of the platform. You'd think he'd be more concerned, but Shafika says that wasn't the case. She and the other Black women targeted were pretty much left on their own to figure it out. So did the powers that be at Twitter or any other social media company or any other official do anything to fix this? No. Um, the, the, the short answer there is no. Now, the longer explanation is that we repeatedly brought this whole thing to the attention of Twitter support, um, to Jack directly. It's not like nobody knew what was happening. It had made the news. Like, <laughs> so it's not, it's not as though um, he was ignorant. The general impression that I got from Twitter support was that, oh, well, you know, this is, we're so sorry, our, our hands are tied and blah, blah, blah. And I started looking into the tech side of everything and I realized that that wasn't the truth. They absolutely have and had tools on hand to stop this. And they just didn't. They just let it happen. They just let us clean up the mess and defend our communities, ourselves. As much as being left to fend for her own community online sucked, it did teach Shafika that her online community could do a lot with a little. And while that wasn't cool at all, and hopefully at some point in, in you know, at some point down the line, they will be sufficiently shamed for it because it was just really awful. We learned what we could do on the ground with just of the very basic tool of like community organization and a hashtag, we were able to do a whole lot to just stop something that could have gotten way out of hand. We outed it early and we ended it early. And if something had been done to make sure that these fake accounts that we were reporting had been taken out of commission, there would have been a lot less for Gamergate to work with. They wouldn't have had to, they wouldn't have had the opportunity to just go ahead and access those same tools that they'd already created. So in a kind of way, it sounds like your work with your slip is showing and your work organizing community responses online was kind of this canary in a coal mine. And you all did all that you could to prevent this, to stamp this out. But if only the powers that be at Twitter or elsewhere had done anything, then it might not be the sort of wide scale situation that it is now. That is exactly correct. And that I, I know that sounds uh, damning, but that's accurate. They could have stopped it. Uh, they could still stop it. But the reason why, unfortunately, and this was absolutely pointed out by people at the time um, and people later uh, taking a look at the whole situation from like, you know, the whole po- postmortem of, of the whole uh, incident. The reason why they didn't is because of the profit model at the time was based on number of accounts and uh, interaction. So, you know, that when you're selling your product basically to, we're, and we're the product, <laughs> to advertisers and whatever have you. The more users it looks like you have, the better. So it really wasn't in Twitter's best interest to say, okay, well, we have 
20 accounts with one IP address, that's suspicious and we should look into it. And that's why they didn't. They didn't. It took them a full two and a half years, I think, uh, to even really address it in a serious way. And I think that was only after the whole congressional <laughs> meeting. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was after everybody who was like the head of social media got called in front of Congress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's what it took. So that pretty much brings us to today. Today, Twitter leads all other social media platforms on the spread of misleading information about coronavirus, according to a study by Oxford researchers called Types, Sources, and Claims of COVID-19 Misinformation. And a study out of Carnegie Mellon found that most of the accounts pushing this misleading content are actually convincing-looking bots using Twitter to prey on people, sow division, and increase polarization. This isn't just an online thing either. Kathleen Carley the director for the Center for Informed Democracy and Social Cybersecurity, says increased polarization will have a variety of real-world consequences and play out in things like voting behavior and hostility toward ethnic groups. And this summer, as Black Lives Matter protests popped up all over the globe, Twitter confirmed that multiple accounts posing as Black Lives Matter activists were calling for violence in white suburbs. But those accounts were actually run by white supremacist groups just posing as activists and, quote, Antifa to cause chaos. Facebook under fire again, a Senate Intelligence Committee report claiming Russian agents use social media sites like Facebook to target African-Americans in an effort to suppress voter turnout. We already know that Russia used social media to interfere with the 2016 election. And in case you needed a Senate report to confirm what Black women have been saying all along, a Senate inquiry cited an Oxford University report on Russian interference on social media. They found that campaigns targeted no single group more than African-Americans on social media. They posed as Black people and ran phony Black activist groups to influence Black voters to either stay home or vote for Trump on Election Day. The Senate Intelligence Report says the posts were aimed at making Americans suspicious of each other. Sound familiar? These are the very same kind of tactics that Black women like Shafika were complaining about years earlier. Accounts posing as Black people and infiltrating our online communities to create chaos and distrust. But because the people with power didn't really do anything or take it seriously, it kind of exposed this massive vulnerability. Think of it as an online disinformation test balloon. It showed that these kinds of attacks could happen and they'd pretty much go unaddressed. Instead of identifying and learning to spot tactics used to make our social media communities less safe and less stable, the powers that be just let it happen again and again and again. I asked Shafika if she thinks that if someone had listened to Black women when they spoke up about being targeted online, things might be different now. It's a tough question for her. This is always going to be a question that kind of hangs in my mind because um, while I understand that Black voters were absolutely targeted, I'm not entirely sure that we were fooled. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, I, I, honestly, I, because it seems like to me, we kind of all got out and voted anyway. And it also seems like to me, Donald Trump may have lost the popular vote by 3 million votes, but that's neither here nor there, I guess. Not if you ask him, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't ask him things because we like honest answers. But um, yeah, I mean, just the fact that this happened, like... <sighs> It left us arguably vulnerable. 
and that even even though I'm not sure how how ultimately success, successful it was, just the fact that we had foreign agents targeting voting populations in the United States of America should have been serious and due cause for alarm because even if it doesn't work, it's like just it's just the fact that they tried and that they could. What are you doing? Like, can we get it together? <laughs> and it's because we left we left the door open. Like this this was that was a failure. That was I don't want to say it was on me because I feel like it definitely wasn't on me and it definitely wasn't on you. But it was it was a failure um, on the side of whatever agents are supposed to be uh, protecting us. And I, I guess that offers, that opens up a lot for speculations. Like, well, you know, who's who's looking after us now? But um, yeah, that that was a glaring example of just kind of the general failure to address something that did not have to get as big as it got. More There Are No Girls on the Internet after this quick break. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. Fearless Finance provides on-demand, comprehensive financial planning by the hour. It's a new way to get financial advice without all the headaches, high fees, and commitments that come with traditional financial advisors. Fearless Finance planners don't sell anything. No used car salesman vibe here. And that means no concerns about being sold something just for the commission that it earns a rep. Their planners meet you where you are on your financial journey. No judgment, whether you're looking to buy a house, optimize your savings, or just want to make sure your finances are okay. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. 
And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. The 2020 presidential election is 112 days away. Digital security experts agree that American elections are vulnerable and not enough is being done about it. During Trump's impeachment hearing, Fiona Hill, the former National Security Council advisor specializing in Russian and European affairs, said, Right now, Russia's security services and their proxies have geared up to repeat their interference in the 2020 election. We are running out of time to stop them. So what do we do? Dr. Donovan says, As we get closer to the election, we know that all different kinds of tactics are going to get utilized, including potentially deep fakes or cheap fakes like manipulated video, manipulated audio. We're going to see uh, probably uh, clips of people quoted out of context. We've seen this happen to Joe Biden a few different times. Then, of course, we've seen gas that he's done that are completely within context and a problem. Um, <laughs> you know, you can't you can't forget that every once in a while you're watching it and you're like, this is this can't be real. And, and it's totally real. Well, what's crazy to me about it is as a researcher, you're supposed to be attuned to all of this, but I still get fooled here and there. But the last thing I'll say about the way in which I think platform companies need to better serve our uh, political elections and the integrity of elections is that they need to hire some serious specialists. They need to hire a whole uh, army of librarians to do content curations so that when people are looking for information, they find things that have been fact-checked that are true and correct. Uh, I think that we have a right to truth. And part of the problem is the way in which these algorithms are designed is to bring up things that are quote-unquote fresh and relevant. And the problem with fresh and relevant content is that disinformation is usually incredibly popular because there are people trying to push it and there are people trying to dispute it. And so as a result, it rises generally to the top of search algorithms or trending algorithms very quickly because of that, uh, that feature. But will Twitter actually do any of that? Shafika isn't super confident that the platform will do anything at all. I haven't even thought about it. And I guess that's sort of a reflection on uh, my general skepticism right now with not their ability, but their willingness to address this. I, I, I have a good friend who said one of the smartest things I've ever heard anybody say, and I quote it all the time, but he said, when things look like they're not working out, you can always trust that they're working out for somebody. Mm, and that's damn. how I'm going to leave that right there. <laughs> When it looks like, you know, things aren't working, you start asking questions and it's a whole rabbit hole. That's the thing about the Internet. There's so much darkness lurking in its corners, just waiting to spill out. But where there's darkness, there's light, too. Where there's someone being ugly online, there's someone else reaching out to make a genuine connection. There's real community to be built and laughs to be had the kind of laughs that can sustain you through difficult times. 
being online is a constant tightrope walk of acknowledging that darkness while still being able to see the corners of light peeking through. And even while wading through all of that darkness and ugliness, it's the light that has really sustained Shafika. After everything she's been through, she's still grateful for Twitter as a platform and all the good things it's brought to her life. Honestly, it really helps that I have a strong and supportive community, um, both online and off. I really am super grateful for Twitter for so many reasons, not the least of which is because it's helped me expand my network. And I've met amazing people and connected uh, with people who are like me, people who aren't like me. And gotten gotten to know so much about them and learn about their lived experiences. And that has saved me because it helps me kind of get out of my own headspace or likewise, you know, connect with people who understand 100 percent where I'm coming from. And that's in a world where we're, you know, we're frequently gaslit about <laughs> the things that we see and experience, uh, that is absolutely invaluable. Oh, and one more thing that helps. It also helps that I'm funny. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, um, having a sense of humor and a wit uh, will get you through pretty much, I don't want to say pretty much anything, but how about this? It's gotten me through pretty much everything. <laughs> And you've been through some stuff. I've been through it. (laughs) There Are No Girls on the Internet was created by me, Bridget Tad. It's a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. Jonathan Strickland is our executive producer. Tari Harrison is our producer and sound engineer. Michael Amato is our contributing producer. I'm your host, Bridget Tad. For more podcasts from iHeart, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening to There Are No Girls on the Internet. If you want to help our podcast grow, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girl Bomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girl Bomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. 
I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.